It's power to be more like Jesus and just power in our everyday lives. Okay, so understand that. It's not uh, that we just want something from God just for ourselves. That it's for the glory of God. And so we've been talking about different things and we spent probably about four weeks on the Holy Spirit. And we're moving on tonight to another subject. But the key verse is from Psalm 62.11. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Okay? Power belongs unto God. That's one of the things, of many things that belong to God. And I thank the Lord. Salvation belongs to God. Amen? Uh, Forgiveness belongs to God. Holiness belongs to God. But power belongs to God. And all that the Lord has for us, and this is what we're moving on tonight to tonight, uh, all that the Lord has is ours for the asking when we pray, when we call upon the Lord. And ask, the Bible says, we know the Scripture, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your, he- your Father which is in heaven give you give good things to them that ask Him? And so, the things that God has are, are His children's to have if we'll ask Him. Okay? They're ours. And, and uh, Tori makes a comment in this book. He says, the poverty and powerlessness of the average Christian is, it can be explained in one sentence or one phrase. You have not because you ask not. And I, I believe that. I know that there are times we ask and we don't receive, but maybe it's just not God's time yet. Either it's not His will, okay, which He's not going to give us, and praise God He's not, or he's, he's, it's not His timing. You know what I mean? And either way, it doesn't negate the promise that ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Why is it that many, uh, many Christian um, may wonder about their own life and say, why am I still kind of spinning my wheels in my Christianity? Why, why am I making no real serious progress in holiness or Christ-likeness? And the answer would be, you have not, or at least, at least in part, would be you have not because you ask not. Why is there so little fruit in my ministry? I mean, if you're asking that question in my ministry, why am I not seeing greater things in my ministry? You have not because you ask not. God would say it's neglect of prayer. Why is it that uh, both ministers and lay people would say there's so little power in my life, in my service to the Lord? It would be neglect of prayer. You have not because you ask not. So we're going to talk about the power of prayer. God has provided a life of power and a work of power on the part of every one of His children. And He's really put it at our disposal. Okay? Again, this is not us being sovereign and running off separate from God, being master of our own domain, you know, and wielding all this power just for power's sake. But the things that we're called to do in the Word of God, the things that we're called to do that we he specifically has called you to and me to he he has the uh the enabling for that he has the power for that whether it's in your personal walk and just your holiness your strength your victory over sin your ministry wisdom whatever it may be it's going to, it's ours for the asking as we pray uh, 
And many, I would say, we read about them and we celebrate the, the lives of many who have taken God at His Word when it comes to prayer. And guess what they found? They found Him to be true. They found Him to be faithful. They found that those words and promises about the believers praying to God and Him answering, they found it to be true. And we celebrate them. We, we talk about them. You've, you've found Him to be true in your own lives. And so have I. But there might be greater... Certainly, I would say there are greater things that God wants to do in my prayer life and in my faith and my trusting Him uh, and greater things He wants to do in our life in general. Every time we take God at His Word, we find Him to be faithful. God's not sitting back there saying, you know, I sure hope that that Reynolds doesn't uh, put me to the test when it comes to this promise that I've made in my, my Word. He's not afraid of you putting Him to the test. And one of the promises he's made is ask and you receive. You have not because you ask not. And so that's a promise. He says, try me and see. That's what he says in Malachi. And I know he's talking about, in that instance, he's talking about the, the faithfulness of the people and their giving and their tithes and see what he'll do in return for that. But still, there are other scriptures where the Lord says, prove me now, test me now, try me and see. See if he's not the God that he promises to be. Amen? And I think we, we, we shy away from it because it almost seems too amazing. You know, it almost seems too big that if we they would really ask him for that again. I want to say that that I don't have to qualify our prayers. God's word qualifies it. It has he, he's going to answer prayers according to his will. You know, you're just mad. Uh, kill everybody on the interstate so I can have a and move all the cars off so I can drive freely down the road. Uh, he's, that's not His will. Okay, We know that. He came not to destroy lives, but to save lives. Um, uh, it's just a, a, a silly example, but my point is, He's going to... He qualifies believers' prayers and the answers to those prayers are that we pray according to His will. 1 John 5, if we ask anything according to His will. He also uh, has a time for everything. And the timing for everything that... Uh, you know, Eli, uh, Naaman the leper was not cleansed the first time he dipped in the water. He was cleansed the seventh time. Well, God may have us wait for seven years for something. He might have us wait longer than that. But it doesn't mean He's not going to answer. If it's His will, Abraham waited 25 years for the promised child, Isaac. But did He send him? Yes. Was it God's will? Yes. Was it when Abraham wanted it to be probably not it's when God wanted it to be and we're still talking about the faith of Abraham today and so uh, when we look at the the Christian men and women like I say that we admire and respect and we still talk about today we talk about people like George Mueller we talk about the the disciples in the Bible they were uh, they were men that had extraordinary power but there were also men that had prayer. They faced great opposition. Okay, I mean, Peter and James and John and these people, uh, some were beheaded. All the, all the disciples were martyred. John was put on the island of Patmos. They fight, faced great and strong and relentless opposition. And, but they saw such fruit from their ministry. They saw such... There, there was a reality of Jesus in them. It wasn't just... Bible stories that they told. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They healed the man, the lame man at the temple. Uh, 
5,000 people got saved. They raised the dead. They were stoned. God raised them back up like Paul. In other words, they really walked this thing out by faith. But we understand that they were men of prayer and they give their secret to that. I'll just give a couple of quick testimonies. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In Acts 2.47 and Acts 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. That's when the lame man was healed. And the number of men was about 5,000. That's fruit. Okay, now we know God has to do it. He's sovereign. But and there's another scripture in Acts 5. And the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. Well, what was the secret? If you were to say, I know they would say, well, God's doing it. The Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We're baptized in His Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit. But the apostles said this, we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer. Continually. We, there's service to be done. There was service to be done in the church. Look you out some, some men filled with wisdom and power in the Holy Ghost. Some holy men to do this work in the church, right? There was service. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a belittling of the work at all. Find some people to do this work. You're right, it needs to be done. To minister to the and give out uh, food and clothing and so forth to the widows. That is something God's called us to do. So we're going to find the men that are chosen by God to do that. And Philip and Stephen and those that they chose to do that. But they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You have to say, if you were to say, what is your secret? They lived on their knees. James was called camel knees. Okay, that was like a nickname he was given. If you've seen a camel's knees, they're not real attractive, probably. Uh, uh, because he knelt down all the time and they were probably had calluses on them and look worn. Okay, they look worn, but it was okay. It was more than worth it. Amen. More than worth it. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer. And so God wants not only leaders like like Peter and James and John to walk in the power of prayer and in, in that fullness of that ministry. He wants every believer to walk in that. That is something he has for us. We did that whole Chadwick book, remember, on prayer for, on Sunday school during Sunday school uh, sometime back when we were meeting in our house. But the secret of the fullness of this power uh, is, is found in the early church. Let's turn and look at this real quickly. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I, know, I don't know about y'all, but I look at the, the church in the book of Acts as being uh, something I would desire. You know, I look at it and I say, the church today and the church in the book of Acts. And I wonder why. Why was theirs like this and ours like this? The Lord's not any different. He's no less gracious. He doesn't love the lost any less than He does. You know what I mean? He's no less. He hadn't gotten old and can't, can't hear us or do, do for us. I think there's probably a lot of reasons. And the book, the book that we're studying is covering a lot of these. But let's look at this real quickly. In Acts chapter 2, this is the early church, the day of Pentecost, and then it kind of summarizes the early church. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. So there was a result to this. It produced something. Okay, They continued steadfastly in the doctrine, 
the true doctrine and in fellowship and in, and it says in breaking of bread and, and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul as a godly fear and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continue, they continue in daily with one accord in the temple and breaking in bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So what we don't see here is that there were a lot of big programs, that there was a lot of big uh, you know, extracurricular activities and, and, and buildings and things like that. They met from house to house. They went into the temple courtyard and that's where they would pray. That's where Peter and John were heading when they healed the lame man at the, at the temple gate. But we see they're, they're just the, the, what I would call the nuts and bolts of Christianity, just the, the, the meat and potatoes, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay? And guess what? There was, there was that produced something. God did it. That's what God was pleased with. That's what God wanted. That's what He required. It's what He expected. It's also what they were privileged to do. There's no, they were no different than we are. We have to remember that. They weren't some special class of people. They were people saved by grace, washed in the same blood of the, of the Lamb that we have been. And there's, uh, it says in Psalm 50, I'll just read it, verse 15, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me, he says. Call upon me, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. It's for the Lord's glory. When you call upon Jesus in your need, whether you consider it a big need or a little need, you call upon the Lord, he says, I will deliver thee. Did he not say that? Isn't that not a promise? Psalm 50, verse 15. You call upon me, and I will deliver thee. And you're going to glorify me. He's going to always get His glory. He desires to get His glory through our lives. I know I've shared it and I've shared it recently. The Smith Wigglesworth said, God is more willing to answer than we are to ask. I do believe that. And, uh, the, the place, there's a place where our strength can be renewed. And that's in the presence of God. And we sing about it. We're waiting here for You. We've come into Your presence, Lord God. But it says that uh, they that wait upon the Lord, that's in prayer. We're not meditating. We're not saying a mantra over and over uh, you know, with some kind of New Age meditation. We're meditating on the Lord. We're coming before the Lord in prayer. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. Do you need your strength renewed? I do. I'm tired right now. And I know looking at y'all, y'all are tired as well. Uh, that we, we, it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How little time does the average Christian, I wonder, and I'll include myself in this, how little does the average Christian spend, how little time in prayer? We're too busy to pray. We're too busy to pray. And so, as, as the author of this book puts it, then we're too busy to have power. If you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy to have power. Power in the sense of, that we're talking about here. We have great activity, a great deal of activity, and accomplish little. 
This is real similar. Remember the, the Chadwick book we just did on, on a pathway to Pentecost. He had the same thoughts. And Tori, Tori wrote this book. Same thoughts. A lot of activity. A lot of hustle and bustle. He's talking about the Christian world today. So just picture it. So how many Christian TV stations are there on satellite you know, networks and, and cable TV? How many Christian bookstores? How many resources can you get on, online at the drop of a hat? It's, it's everywhere. There's a big church a couple hundred yards up this way. You know what I mean? There's churches everywhere. There's no lack of, of uh, busyness and programs and activities and let's put this cool name to it and let's put these signs up and get TV commercials. There's much of that, but there's so little that's accomplished as far as being salt and light on the earth. These apostles that we read about in the early church, they made a difference. I'm not saying that, that uh, they stopped the Roman Empire from doing what the Roman Empire was going to do. But the Bible does say the, the, uh, the Sadducees and Pharisees that were questioning uh, Peter and John said that these have turned the world upside down. They've turned the world upside down. They made a difference. There was a difference where they went. Of love, we think it may be just being some harsh, you know, turn or burn. But I think there was there was a, the difference was there was a difference in love. They really loved people. They loved them enough to tell the truth. They loved them enough to die if they were called to. They loved the Lord enough. Uh, there was a power to it when Philip, a lay person, went and preached in Samaria. The Jews and, and Samarians had no dealings with each other. Philip was a Jew. He went to Samaria like his Lord Jesus did who ministered to the woman at the well. Philip goes, filled with power in the Holy Ghost and preaches the Gospel and many signs were done and wonders and the people gave heed seeing the signs and wonders that were done. There was great joy in that city. They got saved. He, he turned a, a community in his day. One lay person. He didn't have any advertisement. He didn't have any big signs. He didn't, you know what I'm saying? He just went. He didn't have a platform. He didn't have a microphone. Um, but he had been, we know he had because they, the Bible tells us they lived continue, continually in prayer. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, doctrine and in prayer. And so there's so much activity in the churches, but so few converts. So little and I would say the same for, for my own life. I don't want it to be that way. Uh, the power is lacking because we, we have not, because we ask not. It's not just throwing up the three-second prayer, Lord, bless it. Sometimes that's all the time you have. I believe it's a, it's a life of prayer. I firmly believe it. I don't believe and believe it's a special prayer time before we go out, although I think that's needed. Like I say we're going to go out as a church to go uh, witnessing. I think we should get together and pray before that. But I also think every one of us should live in prayer, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all year long, all of our lives, to where we're pray, a prayed up people and we're ready. I think that's what Jesus said. This, his disciples said, why couldn't we cast the demon out of this man's boy? He came to us. He brought us his son. He's demon-possessed. Jesus was not with him at, the, at that specific time. Jesus groans in His Spirit and says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? And He bring Him to me. 
And Jesus cast out the demon from the man's son. And when they're privately with the Lord, the disciples said, Lord, why could we not cast them out? He said, because of your unbelief. That was number one. So we're doing our series on faith, right? On Sunday mornings. He says, how be it this kind, this type of demon cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. Again, how long do we pray? Okay, I'm going to be called upon to cast out a demon in 30 minutes. So is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it five? I think it's a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. We live as God prompts us to fast. I'm not saying we never eat. Okay, obviously that's that's not what's meant there. But there is a lifestyle for believers of prayer and fasting. You fast as God leads you to fast. We pray according to the word of God. That's more specific. We have more specific guidelines on prayer, right? Men aren't always to pray and not to faint. Uh, pray without ceasing. Pray effectually. Pray fervently. Pray by faith. Pray according to the will of God. Uh, prayer and supplications always being lifted up for men. Uh, there's, there's so many instru- instructions about prayer, right? There are not so many about fasting, but we do see that is to be part of the believer's life like a pattern and that those two go to cat together if i'm just going to skip we've talked about it if i'm just we're just going to skip some meals to the, to this week uh for no reason but i'm still going to be watching tv you know or whatever people do that to lose weight people do that because it's healthy sometimes to do but prayer and fasting go together fast and pray and so uh a lot of people misunderstand a lot of people in the church and say, well, you know, y'all are the praying crowd, but we're the doing crowd. We're, we're busy. We're out on the front lines and we're doing things. We're teaching people how to read in the name of the Lord and we're handing out bottles of water in the name of the Lord. But you know what? It's not one or the other. It's not the prayers or the doers. That's two, two separate camps. When you look in the Bible and you look in history, in church history, the people that have been most effective for the Lord in service, okay, whether it's uh, evangelism, okay, missionary work, whatever it may be, I always think of George Mueller, okay, and people like that. The people that, we, that are most effective for the Lord have always been prayers. It's not prayers or doers, it's pray in order to do. Okay, it's praying and being empowered by the Lord to do. If you neglect prayer, but you keep your same rigorous ministry schedule, it's not going to have the power. God's going to put some halt. He's going to put some breaks to it. He's going to get your attention. There's not going to be the fruit from your ministry or my ministry if I'm not living in prayer. Uh, I forgot who it was. Uh, one of the old men of God that we talk about, Spurgeon or. Finney or one of these that said, if I was asked, if somebody asked me, if you were called upon to preach to a huge crowd of people in four hours, what would you do? He said, I'd give three hours to prayer, you know, and and then get hear from God and have one hour of study and of preparation. Now, that's not thus saith the Lord in the Bible, but I would agree with that. You understand what I mean? I I remember being called upon to preach. just like, you know, unexpectedly, like in an hour, you're going to have to preach. I didn't know it. I hadn't planned on it. Uh, 
And I, I remember rolling out of the bed when I got the call and just went, I literally rolled out of the bed and went straight to my knees and just started praying. You know, uh, I know the dependency that I have on the Lord. I don't ever want to just wing it. We talk about that. I don't want to just regurgitate something I've said before because I know a lot about some particular thing or I've preached a lot about this. I'm real familiar, or I like this, or I'm comfortable preaching this. You and I need to hear from the Lord. We need to be in prayer to do that. So I would agree with the man of God that said I would give three hours to prayer and then whatever time I had left to open it up my Bible and reading and studying and you know receiving the, putting the message together. Because God is able to do that. He's able to empower us. There will be times in your life when you are thrust in to a ministry situation. Those are exciting times. There are times that test our faith. There are times when God wants to test our faith and He wants to, to uh, push us or stretch us or grow us and put us in situations like that. So you can be prayed up though, can't you? You can, you know, if you've been three weeks without really praying, that would be kind of scary to right now, I need you to preach. Or we're in the prison. I need you to come speak to these men right now. I just lost my voice. I need you to get up here. It's you tonight. You've got it. Uh, God's faithful. He's always going to help us. But you understand that if we're walking with the Lord, you might, you might be walking with the Lord and you're not even a preacher and God gave you a sermon this morning and said, you know what? God, just this morning, put this Word in my heart. And that's what He wants you to preach or teach or share or testify or to witness. But it's going to come in that, that life of prayer, y'all. I can't overemphasize it enough. We're going to be talking about it for the next couple of weeks. But it's not the prayers or the doers. It's the, the, the prayers that do. That God calls. That there's fruit from our ministries. And how much time do we spend? How much time do you spend in prayer? I don't want you to answer out loud, but I do want you to answer it. How much time do you spend every day in prayer? Do you pray every day? I know that you do, but do you? how much time do you spend in prayer? Is it worked into your schedule somewhere where you make where there's time work where it works out, so to speak, or is it a priority? It has to be our priority. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's not just for apostles and disciples. We have to give ourselves over to God and we give ourselves over to God in prayer. We have to. It's, it's uh, It would be a wonderful victory, I guess you would say, for the devil in our day to get the church generally complacent about prayer. To get people real excited about activities and new programs and a new budget and we can do this and we can support missionaries and we can do that. If the, the devil doesn't care about any of that as long as we're not praying. It would be a clever scheme. Uh, he wants us to give up praying. You can have all your programs you want. You could pull out your church calendar of 365 days and have 300 of those days filled with something at your church. And certain, some church activity that doesn't bother the devil at all and it's no threat to his kingdom or his purposes and plans. 
It's only a threat when the people of God get a hold of God in prayer and then go out. And we might not have a lot of money or big programs. We've got a pocket full of gospel tracts. We've got a little small Bible in in our pocket. We have the Word of God in our heart. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not intimidated. Satan knows the difference, I think, better than the church world does to a large extent. The difference between a praying people and the power that comes to that are people that are very negligent when it comes to prayer or lax when it comes to prayer. I would want you, as, as well as I would do for myself, to examine your own heart and see where you are in your prayer life. Really genuinely uh, look at it. I was very ministered to at the birth of this church. Some people that were really seeking God and it was a hard time of uh, several of you in here share with me we're just praying like we've never prayed before and we're literally are fasting nobody told you to it was God you knew you had to get hold of God it wasn't from a sermon it was from your heart the Holy Ghost saying this is big this is important you can't mess up on this you need to hear from me you need to pray and fast People sitting in this room and it ministered to my heart and life. I was doing the same thing. You know, I was doing the exact same thing. You need to pray and fast. And guess what? Did God speak to you? Yes, He did speak to you. He spoke to you. And I would just ask you to look back on your life at that time a couple of years ago, roughly, and say, am I praying like I was then? Or God just got me through a big hump and or through a big valley, kind of got me to the other side, and now I've backed off. Uh, we don't want to back off. We want to keep on with the Lord. He wants us to walk in that power. Amen. Uh, prayer can do today as much as it ever did. There's not. It's not doing any less than it ever did. I think men are just not praying the way. Uh, and again, I'm putting myself in the same camp. I can't imagine that we're praying fully like the apostles did and like this early church did, but we could. Amen. It, it opens up prayer, opens up this storehouse of the Lord, and and rains down these blessings of God. You know, when when uh, when it hadn't rained for three and a half years in Elijah's day, it was at his word, right? At your word, Elijah. It's not going to rain again. And then the heavens will be shut up. And then the heavens will open up and give rain at your word. God entrusted that power to Elijah. But he also told him when to pray for it. And he went up and sat on Mount Carmel. He'd already told before he went and prayed for rain at the end of the three and a half year drought. And he made the challenge to the prophets of Baal. And all the prophets of Baal were killed. And God sent down fire from heaven. All that happened. And then Elijah turns to Ahab and says, you better get ready. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, it's three and a half year drought and it was still going on. He makes that profession of faith to the king. Then he goes and he does what? He prays. Put his head between his knees. He sat down looking over the sea and he put his head between his knees and began to pray. God opened the windows of heaven. The, the, the seventh time, the servant said, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. That was it. That's all Elijah needed. But he did pray, and it's just an example of God opening up the storehouses of heaven 
in response to prayer. Was it God's will? Absolutely. But how did he do it? He did it in response to a believer's prayer. So think about that. You say, well, I can't twist God's arm to do something he doesn't want to do. I agree. But he tells his people, pray. Command ye me, he says. He wants his people to pray. He wants us to pray according to his will. He wants to take his heart and put it in somebody. That's what he really wants to do. I want somebody that thinks like I think, that trusts me, that heart beats with my heart, and I can put this and trust this to them. That's what he really wants to do. I think that would be a majority of our prayer, praying that my heart, I pray that prayer, by the way, and I'm going to pray it, that Lord, let my heart beat with your heart. I want to not just do what's right, I want to be what's right in my heart of hearts, and then everything I do right would come out of that heart. Not just um, I'm following a rule book, doing the hundred things God told me to do. I want to do it with the Lord's heart. And it's so much better to do that. Amen? But that's, that's something that takes place in our lives by prayer. But the rain came and, uh, in response to prayer. So I just want to look at this real, real quickly. Um, it's just a childlike faith where God wants us to ask and receive. Don't put a bunch of uh, theological terms around it. If Jesus says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asks. Now I said, we have, have to pray according to His will. We have to pray by faith. But besides that, there's not a lot of other qualifications to prayer. We try to make more, I think, sometimes. It's almost like we, we built in a little uh, in case it fails. We got some little excuse, biblical excuses over here why it failed. Where really I think the Lord wants us to just trust Him. If it's not His will, guess what? He can show us that too. I said I've been praying for a month for something, and one day when I'm in prayer, and the Lord, I'm praying about my own heart, for example, and God shows you, you know that thing you've been praying, it's not my will. So that comes as a result of prayer too, right? Or it's not my time yet. You go back and you continue doing what I called you to do. When it's time for the next thing, you know, then I'll bring that to pass. So he just wants us to trust him with a childlike faith. Just a couple of things. We're just going to uh, hit, uh, look at a couple of things tonight, and then and then we'll open up the altars in a moment. What is what are some things that prayer has power to do in the life of a believer? Prayer has the power to bring a true knowledge of ourselves. And that's what we were just talking about. Ourselves and our needs. If I'm running around, even as a believer, let's say I'm just caught up in my schedule. Any of you get caught up in your schedule, right? And it just repeats and repeats and you're like the little rat on on the little wheel, right? All of a sudden you look up and a year's passed and five years have passed and ten years have passed and I'm just like this little mouse scurrying on the wheel, I don't think God wants us to be like a mouse scurrying on the wheel. I know He doesn't. It doesn't mean we're not to be busy. But we need to be fruitfully busy. We need to be faithfully busy. Busy with what He's called us to. You know, I think a lot of times if we would really turn off the TV and find some time to spend with the Lord, uh, He'll make the time. Okay? Find the time to spend with the Lord. I think we would find pretty quickly into that 
we stop asking Him maybe for a bunch of things and just, Lord, show me myself. Show me my life. Show me my heart. Is my life honoring to You? The way I'm living my life, my schedule, is this honoring to You? There might be a lot of things He would show us. You're doing a lot of things that are good things, but they're not things I've called You to do. If you really want to get plugged in and start walking by faith and walk with me, here, set these five things over here aside. Nothing wrong with them, but I've got somebody else to do those things. Here's what I have for you. And so, so prayer, first of all, one of the things that, that comes from that, it comes from the Lord, but it comes from the Lord in prayer. God is able to show us our own hearts. That no, nobody else can do that. I don't know my own heart. Even as a believer, I don't know my own heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the question. The answer is, I, the Lord, try the hearts and reins of men. The Lord knows it. And so, uh, He's able to show us ourselves. And then, in showing us ourselves, He shows us, Randy, you're really weak here. This is a weakness of yours. Your pride is a weakness. Your, uh, your laziness is a weakness. Your uh, self-confidence in yourself, it's a weakness. He shows us things about ourselves. And then our great need for God. To where I can't move if, if you don't do it. I thought I could do this on my own. Even as a Christian, I thought I can handle this. And yet God shows me in prayer, you can't handle that. You need to get back to me. You need to get back to me in prayer. You need to take some steps back. And with a childlike faith, reach your little hands up like a little kid and trust me to pick you up and help you and to move you along. Uh, so isn't that a wonderful thing in prayer that God can do for us? We need to be shown our, our weaknesses. I don't need God to just show me a bunch of strengths about my life. And so much of the preaching and, the, and some of the Christian books and the purpose driven and all that is about how wonderful you are. And you need self-love and self-respect and self-esteem and self-forgiveness and self-everything. I think there's seven of them that Rick Warren uses. I can't even think of seven of them. But, uh, but that's not with the Word of God. When I go to the Lord in prayer, He begins to show me myself. And He shows me weaknesses. Not so He can just take me and grind me under His heel. Look how pathetic you are. He shows me a weakness in my life because all that the fullness is in Christ. And I just need to go to Him, that fountain of life, and He'll make it, He'll supply that need. You understand what I'm saying? But if I think I'm already okay, and I just need to love myself more, esteem myself more, forgive myself more. No, I need to go to God and let Him point out you're deficient here. Okay? You're not bearing much fruit in this area. You're not what you think you are as a believer. I still love you. And because I love you, I'm telling you this. And I want to help you and strengthen you in that area. All of it brings us... We go to the Lord in prayer. He shows us that and it drives us to pray more. To call upon the Lord more. And so, uh, many lives of power in the Lord begin with realizing their own powerlessness first. So, I mean, just think about it. The lives of power began with 
a powerlessness. Peter had to realize he wasn't who he thought he was. The Lord knew who he was. He denied the Lord three times. And he wanted to go back to fishing after the, the resurrection and just kind of push the whole serving God thing and taking the world for Christ, kind of push that to the side and I'm just going to go back to fishing. God had to show him Himself. And then He filled him with power from on high. Amen? And he was an apostle to the Jews that the Lord had called him to. Isaiah was a godly man. But he says, in the Lord, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he saw the Lord, he said, I'm undone. I'm unclean. I live in the midst of an unclean people. He probably knew that factually before, theologically, but he saw it and it changed him. And then guess what? The Lord says, as quickly as he's saying that, and that's what's wonderful about the Lord, as quickly as he's saying, I'm unclean, I do, I'm unclean lips, and that, lo, this has touched you, now your sin is purged. He wanted him to see that about himself. And then one angel flew from the, you know, took a coal from the altar before the throne of God and touched his lips and said, This has purged you, your sins forgiven. And, and now, who can I send? Here am I, Lord, send me. Started with the moment of weakness and seeing the Lord and then called to, to serve the Lord. Amen? Remember, we just got to remember that Moses was the same way. Um, Moses said that, you know, I can't speak well. Send my brother Aaron. He talks well. You know, uh, who am I? Why are you sending me? I stutter. Aaron would do a much better job. He just, the Lord shut him down. But he did have to show him his weakness and uh, no, no confidence in himself. He had had confidence in himself before he, when he murdered the Egyptian, right? He was in a position of authority and power. And he had a little, I don't know, he had some confidence in himself and I'm going to make a difference for God's people. You know, he didn't make a difference for God's people. That wasn't God's plan. God had to humble him. He lived as a shepherd 40 years. And then he went from powerlessness to power. And the Lord said of Moses, there's not a more meek man on the face of all the earth. God said that about him. And God used him so greatly. Job, when he, when he complained, and I just got through reading Job. You know, he, he goes through all those chapters. He didn't sin with his mouth, but he did. Oh, I wish I'd never been born. It'd be better if I'd never been born. Why doesn't God answer me? Uh, your miserable counselors, you're not helping me to his friends. Uh, doesn't seem fair what God's doing. On and on and on and on. And God didn't really answer any of those questions. When you read it, God didn't go back and, all right, here's the first thing you said. Here's my answer to that. Here's the second. God said, you gird up your loins like a man and I'm going to talk to you. And he set him straight and, it's, and it, it worked. It worked. Job says, I saw myself and, and I pour myself and I repent in, in dust and ashes. And then at, guess what? After that, God gave him power. He was restored back. His, his family was restored. Everybody that was estranged from him came back to him. And God even said, I'm going to use you to pray for those three goofy friends of yours, okay, who don't know how to counsel. They didn't speak rightly of me. And, and when you pray for them, I'm going to forgive their sins. I mean, he gave him power. 
but it, it was in prayer. It was a turn to the Lord. And it's just, and I'm, I'm going to be closing with this thought, but it's needful that we see ourselves. It's so needful, and I think so often we don't see ourselves. We may get our opinions of ourselves from other people. People always coming up and saying, you're the greatest, you're the this, you're the that. And we need to see ourselves like God sees us. It shows us our, he shows us our need in prayer. And then He is able to meet our needs and strengthen us. Just remember those three examples about Job and Moses and, and uh, who's the first one I gave? Oh, Isaiah. Starting in moments of weakness, seeing themselves in prayer, and then God strengthening them to do what they're called to do. We're talking about power, right? How to obtain fullness of power. And so, I'll close with this. We all know the Scripture. We sing a song like that. But we need to get a view of ourselves. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. It's all about me. Not how wonderful I am. I want you to search me because I don't know me. I don't know me. And guess what? Sunday morning, Sunday night, we could share that same Scripture again. It's just as real tomorrow as it is tonight. Don't say, well, we heard that already. I need to hear it. I need to hear it continually. It needs to be repeated daily. That prayer needs to be, or something similar to it, needs to be repeated daily. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way, way everlasting. True revelation comes when we see ourselves like God sees us. Not like people around us see us or not like we see ourselves. Um, we have to empty ourselves in order to make room for God to fill us. So think about that. Emptying me of myself and making room, a vessel that God can fill. A vessel of honor that He can fill. And that prayer, as I said, needs to be repeated daily. So I'm just going to pray that. The altars are open. He's coming to play and lead us in the altar. But can you just pray that with me? We know the Scripture. Open up your Bible and just lay it before you. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Lord, we make this our prayer. This is our altar call, Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.